0: Horse thievery. I postponed my trip back to North Fork and from a jet to talk about horse thievery because it got me riled up. It's the worst events outside of murder. It may just match murder. What makes horse thievery so bad? Well, I'll tell you. You don't take a man's horse, that's for sure. You're denying him his life, his livelihood. What kind of farmer would take a horse? Someone who's desperate? Someone who is, uh, who's uh, being chased by the law? Actively and passively? Someone who has been placed on the wall with a, a won't wall- wanted, wanted poster for his head someone who is just plain desperate will take another man's horse it's called horse thievery horse stealing and it's just about the worst just about the worst if not the worst it's a farmer that takes a horse denies a man of his life and livelihood. You know what I'm telling you about. You know what I'm talking about. Horse thievery, well, I'll tell you. We had our share of them at South Fork. We sure did. My cat, you can hear him. Can't hear her. Moving her collar around as she scratches. We're not talking about cat thievery here, we're talking about horse. I'm gonna get horse, a horse throat, describing how much these varmints aren't worth their wheat. These bad hombres that take a horse from someone else. very prized possession the horse prized valued loved that might be what it all is that might be the crux of it that the owner loves his horse and that'd be as bad as someone taking his wife that's right Someone taking her husband. Same thing here applies. And I may have just gotten to the crux of it all. So if you're thinking of stealing a horse, think twice. Think twice. If you're in the jurisdiction district, jurisdiction of South Fork, Texas Territory, you're gonna just think once. Think twice, think three times, take your time, but don't go stealing anyone's horse. Welcome to the Talk Me Some Art and Other Stories podcast. I'm your host, Guy Massey. Today, a step-by-step instructional on podcasting. So Buckles is heading back to South Fork. He's on a plane as we speak. And I want to thank him for joining us in the studio for a couple of days. He did a couple of podcasts in a row there, um, bringing in his perspective. I like his show that he did on Western. Western format, I had nothing to do with that. I had nothing to do with the preparation. I was actually out of town in Boston and um, on a little bit of a shopping spree. I'll tell you about that a little later on, but uh, he, um, if you're interested, uh, I'm gonna tell you anyway. (laughs) But Buckles uh, did, did a couple of stints here in the studio and he talked about the Western genre, the genre of the great American Western movies, television, You talked about South Fork, uh, the landscape there, the, the town landscape, heading out on the trail looking at the overall beautiful backdrop that is Texas, the Rio Grande, the, uh, the sagebrush, and the tumbleweeds, you know the whole nine yards, you gave us a whole description of town too. Talked about the Sidewinders. Um, I think he touched on his hotel room, huh, Mark? Mark's agreeing with me? Yeah, he talked about his hotel room a little bit. Not that much. He didn't really get into do a description, but he did make mention of it. Uh, we always like it when he touches upon the different facets of the genre that is the great American Western. And uh, he talked about the saloon a little bit. Touched upon the sheriff and the marshal. I think he talked about the marshal I also uh, believe he talked about the, uh, his rifle uh, being uh, burnt to a crisp in a barbershop fire in town. Um, didn't talk about the Morgan Bank. I wanted him to touch upon his, uh, the assayer's uh, uh, office. Um, and He did talk about his, his gold strike, uh, a $125,000 um, uh, catch there. Finding the vein, digging into the, the side of the the side of the mountain there, the, the cliffside, and going into pretty deep, about 16 feet, I think he said, 20 feet, not quite. Did a seven by eight hole there, um, shorted it up with big timbers that were um, brought in from nearby. Uh, they made, they used all their resources, you know, they they, they pooled all their resources. Uh, they ended up having about uh, 10 people on the site at one point, and uh, they split the, the winnings. Buckles insisted everyone get an even split, even those that didn't contribute as much. That caused a little bit of contention with some of the ones that had put in a little bit more time on the site. Uh, Pearson Box Canyon is located about 80 miles uh, west of South Fork, northwest. Right, almost on the New Mexico border, and um, they are. uh, Buckles uh, is probably going to lose all his 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 winnings. Uh, Being the protagonist, you know, you usually don't hold on to your riches. There creates that kind of dramatic tension. Uh, If if, uh, you know the protagonist being more poor or lower middle class in status um, creates a little bit more tension. Little bit more work. There's, there's the hope, there's always the hope of riches ahead. And not that he's a money, money grubbing sort of any tor- sort. Um, he likes to keep the town clean. He talked about the wrappers, uh, right, Mark? He talked about the clean, picking up the wrappers, um, bending over in his, his big buckle, his seven by nine uh, gold. I don't think he mentioned it was gold, but. Uh, gold buckle um, as he went bent down it would pinch him uh, discouraging but he had teams young young men helping him out in the in the field picking up uh, the rappers uh, in, in the town rather picking up the rappers but his plane ride um, he quipped that he goes business class and uh, he gets the uh, on flight meals you know and that they're not really Great shakes. He was describing a Salisbury steak that he got. Uh, he said he would have been made better off making it at home, uh, getting a hungry man dinner. Uh, he thought that it was bland tasting. The vegetables were overcooked, on the mushy side. The potatoes uh, tasted like air. You know, no real flavor to them. The gravy was the only saving grace. Actually, not a bad gravy. Um, not up to hungry man uh, 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 levels, but uh, you, you know he, he did he did get the meal in. Um, you know then they come around with the with the um, alcohol drinks. Um, the, the plane is less crowded. There's more social distancing on the plane on the flights of Lane, of course. Um, and uh, there's a little less interaction between the passengers. Buckles likes to whoop it up a little bit, likes to uh, converse, likes a little bit of conversation, um, and, uh, you know, he was a little denied it. He denied it a little bit, kind of a quiet flight. The last few flights, he said, had been very, very quiet. Um, but he eventually makes his way to Dallas. They land in Dallas uh they uh then uh board a, a a commuter flight that takes them into Mayville, which is about forty miles um northwest of uh in line actually with the with the um with Pearson Canyon. Uh and they take uh they go back in time when they land in Mayville. All of a sudden it's eighteen seventy seven, you know. Uh, they hop on a stage. That's the transportation that they had in 1877. You know, take a snapshot of time there, and that's where you end up in. And uh, uh, but uh, they get on that stage and uh, they uh, ride in. Um, I think this time there's no booty on the stage. There's no. Um, they're not shipping any any bonds or cash. But he has been on many stages uh, after uh, coming off the flight um, and boarding the stage uh, where um, they have had um, several, uh, well, you know, one time I think it was $100,000 in bonds and about $100,000 in cash on board in a strong box. And they put it in the back hatch. Back trunk area, uh, locked the box, um, and uh, late. Luckily, there have been no holdups, um, no varmints traipsing down on onto the onto the stage, stopping the stage, calling out all passages. No, none of the. the he, he has had experiences in the past where uh, they've taken the jewelry off women and men. Um, they've. Uh, they've uh, actually went as far as uh making the men strip didn't make the women strip but they made the men strip to find out uh if they were hiding anything took of course t- took any of the guns there were some passengers that were uh packing took those guns and of course they took off with the strong box um they shot the lock off um and uh grabbed the cash and put it in their saddlebags and uh strapped it on top of the horse you know as saddlebags go and uh rode away they rode away it was one group of i think five or six varmints, and one of them the other one was alone one of them with a less of less money accordingly i guess I guess it works out proportionally in life uh, It was less of a less of a booty there for uh, one varmint that uh, stopped the stage right out the right on South Fork Trail which leads into town um, <clears throat> about 15 miles out of town so uh, the passengers were able to board back no one was injured no one was hurt um, Buckles luckily has made it safely home every time, and uh, he checks into his hotel room, as you know, second floor of the Old Yeller Hotel, Um, and uh, he uh, doesn't even need to register, his name's written in the minute he goes in, he gets his mail, gets any telegrams that might come through, and he's got a dedicated slot. It's got his Buckles Brannigan logo right on it. Uh, No one else has a logo for a mail slot. And uh, uh, I think last time he checked in, he checked right out and headed to the saloon all dressed up. They had a uh, uh, party. A party on the latest strike at Pearson Box Canyon so he's uh he's settling in i'm pretty sure he'll be settling in rather uh once he arrives um he'll be uh striking up a couple of poker games at the old at the uh johnson's saloon um he's gonna actually ask for his top shelf uh old gold uh bourbon and he's looking forward to just kicking back he's A man of simple pleasures, a man of simple pleasures, Buckles Brannigan. But it was great having him in Pawtucket. He enjoyed my talk on the Rhode Island State House here in Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, I wanted to talk about the domelets. My brother Claude reminded me about the little domelets, the four domelets that surround the main dome of the state house, giving it sense of proportion. Uh, giving it a sense of sort of Taj Mahal beauty, the silhouette is, is of elegance, of elegance. Uh, almost a minaret in quality, but they are classic domes. And they're little domelets. They're, they're cute little domelets. I'm going to use that word cute, Claude. Sorry, but they're little mini domelets that surround on uh, a square on a square format. Uh, the main dome, the main, uh, which is the fourth largest self-supporting dome in the world and uh, so I hope you glean some facts from the statehouse it's interesting talking about uh, it's fun talking about uh, uh, different aspects of Providence architecture I I might uh, talk about the arcade next I think that's a significant uh, historic landmark Um, it's the first indoor shopping mall in the US I don't think it's the first in the world but it's the first in the US it might be the first in the world though But I'll gather all my research. I'll make sure I'm not talking out of my ass Um, when I present to you um, the arcade. The arcade, and uh, it's on Waybossett Street. I do know that, I do know that. And uh, Waybossett Street, of course, is probably the most important city street uh, in the city, in Providence. Um, You've got Westminster Street. You've got Dorrance that runs uh, perpendicular to those streets. Uh, you've got uh, Memorial Boulevard, which is a new, a new avenue, of, of since the late '80s, I believe, uh, when that street was put in. Uh, to uh, it's part of Capitol Center. It runs parallel to the, to the lineup, to the, uh, to the whole uh, grid. Uh, lineup uh, runs parallel to that. It's a homage to the capital center development. It is the avenue. It has become a probably the most important uh, artery, artery uh, that uh, runs along the side of downtown, the financial district. And it's a beautiful city. Providence is a beautiful city. I'll do a story just on Providence. And I might bring in some architectural uh, landmarks uh, on that story in a multiple format. Um, You know, um, I might mention some of the history, some of the old hotels that used to stand in Providence. Um, Looking forward to it, looking forward to it. But Buckles, it was was his perspective on the Old West. It inspires me to talk about other things in cities that I know, and I know Providence. I don't know Boston that much. One thing I do know is I visited Boston and uh, went shopping. I went clothes shopping, and... uh, I picked up a belt, not a Buckles Brannigan. Uh, I didn't get one with the Buckles Brannigan buckle on it. They didn't have any. Uh, they had more of traditional. Uh, went into Urban Outfitters just to check out there. And I didn't really care for any of this stuff. I ended up going into a small shop that uh, that that featured some nice uh, kind of um, uh, British tweed, uh, British tweed um, flannel, kind of flannel setups and it was just some beautiful colors, amazing. You know, in the old days, uh, we thought the black and white photos that the men were dressed mostly in black and gray, but if you had colorized those photos, you would have found out, uh, or if they had gone uh, magically transformed to a color picture of what it was really in reality, if they had color film back then, you would have seen that these, these men were dressed very brightly, as brightly as the women and cobalt blues and salmon shades of salmon uh, in the tweed uh, or in the in the in the in the weft of the of the flannels that they wore the jackets uh, they had vests under the jackets that were flannel um, beautiful cotton shirts that were brightly colored of course um i like the western tie but uh, we had our ties we had our Victorian collars, you know, again, you know, the black and white doesn't really show you the color, Uh, the color, it was a colorful, uh, I'm sure it was pretty colorful existence back then, as much color as we see today, you know, Um, color wasn't uh, something that was just invented in 1950, I mean, it was, it was always around and always with us, you know, We, we don't, you know, we see a lot of black and white pictures from the 30s and 40s. And we don't realize how colorful our parents' uh, world was. We, we think of, a, you know, we, we go back in time, we think of memories of, you know, we, we conject our memories into our parents' past and think that they lived in a black and white world. You know, we look at old photos, we look at old film, uh, old, old movies, you know, old uh, 16 or 8 millimeter movies of the day, the standard 8 format back then. And uh, it was a colorful world, a colorful world. I wasn't there, not a lot of proof of it. Um, you know, they did hand tinting. Hand tinting was the desire to express the color of the world back then, you know. In, in old 1910 films, they, they colorized the film. It was quite a technology to be able to do that. Of course, it all, all was hand done, no machine done uh, or digital aspects back then, that's for sure. They didn't even know of it. You know? The world was just uh, celluloid, and they worked on it. They colored, they hand-colored, hand-tinted right on the film. And it has an organic, I've seen films run with hand-tinting, and it has an organic uh, undulating kind of, uh, the color bleeds, it goes back in, and it goes within the border, it goes out of the border a little bit, the outline, the colors, fades a little bit, intensifies with each frame, and you know, you see this undulation, it's very interesting, creates a real organic feel to the film. Of course, hand-tinted photographs, a little more color control, we've seen, we've all seen those hand- hand tinted postcards, right? Uh, Beautiful, just beautiful, Um, but the color was even more intense, you know, when you you have to color on, use tinting colors on top of, uh, on top of black and white photos. You, you get a little bit of the gray in there, and it sort of mutes out the color, right? Um, it's only on the bright white or, you know, 10-20% value whites where you see the real intense color. And, of course, it's a liquid color. It's transparent. There's a transparency to it, of course, to see the tone underneath. You need the tone. You need the tone to establish dimension. They made attempts to get three-dimensional three-dimensionality into it, uh, but you, you see that the color is transparent. It doesn't really have the the opacity or the vibrancy of true color. Um, but what is true color, right? What is true color? I've also, also uh, gone on about uh, so that was my trip to Boston and my my clothing trip. I was going to go to Providence, but I wanted to uh, see a friend in Boston. And I ended up going, uh, going with him to uh, get some clothes. He, he had the idea of buying some clothes. Uh, we spent about most of the day, and I was back in Pawtucket. Uh, I was probably back. I think around seven o'clock p.m. the other day. I was back in Pawtucket, um, just uh, enough to uh, to see Buckles finish his uh, his talk on the Western format. So. Um, you know it's 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 good but 35 millimeter film uh, films of, of yesteryear before digital you know up until the 70s or 80s even 90s they were still using the Kodak stock you know the Kodak film and uh, I could tell the difference when I see color film versus digital color I don't care if you're 4k 8k 80k uh, the, the 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 quality of, of of the Kodak film stock and Technicolor process uh, is unmatched. They have yet to beat it. They have yet to beat it with all the technology we have. You think that we would improve upon it? There's something about the quality of film, the detail uh, that you don't get with the detail, the incredible detail of digital. Uh, most films are done in digital today, the television and, and the theater, cinema, but. Uh, for expense reasons, they stay away from film. Um, The processing of film after the fact is where it's really costly. The actual processing of the movie film, very expensive process, uh, requires a lot of time, and expensive equipment. And uh, the film itself is not the most expensive. That's not the real factor, but it's the post-production. It's the post-production aspect, getting the sound synced, but getting the color corrected right, using the red, blue, and green process that they use to meld it all together, very expensive. I find the whole field of film very interesting, and I want to get a 16 millimeter Bolex. I've got my eye on a couple of those on eBay. They're not expensive, uh, but the prospect of, of running them is you have to go factor in the, uh, the, the you know you have to factor in the purchasing of the film. That's, there's a certain cost there. That's, uh, you know 500 feet of film is is not super expensive, about forty dollars, but it's definitely more than digital, right? Digital is basically free once you buy the camera, um, and then the processing is two, three, four, five times that. So you have to, and that's just for not a lot of feet of film, not a lot of feet of film, you know, probably about two or three minutes, maybe four minutes of, uh, of movie, uh, and you're, you're racking up, before you know it, you're racking up the cost into the thousands to uh, put out a half an hour production, for, for instance, not even a two hour production, and I'm not even talking about 35 millimeter, I'm talking about 16 millimeter, um, can you imagine how expensive, 72 or 75 millimeter or 65 millimeter film was uh, for, for big blockbusters like The Sound of Music, which was analog film, not, not digital. digital. That's a lushly beautiful, uh, beautiful, uh, just gorgeous sort of Austria, Vienna, uh, the whole the whole uh, Salzburg. I think it was filmed on location in Salzburg. Um, the mountains, the, that that opening scene of, of Maria on the mountaintop where, where the aerial photography is just spectacular of, of Salzburg and Mozart land. Uh, just, just gorgeous, just beautiful. Uh, and the music, the music that goes without saying. So I love 35 millimeter film. I did a story, a whole uh, podcast on 35 millimeter film about, uh, three, three months ago, I'd say. And maybe you might want to go back into the into your podcast log and uh, check it out. Maybe you missed it. Um, I think it was called 35mm Analog World or something like that. Okay, Mark is telling me there's no title. It didn't have a title to signify uh, that it was about 35mm film and the glories of it. But I did do a segment, and I think it might be near some of the podcasts just to help you out. Thanks, Mark, for for reminding me. Mark's on the ball. He knows I didn't give it a title. He knows all my titles on on these podcasts. Um, It might be under Hocus Focus. Uh, I did a segment on still photography, but I don't think it might be one of the podcasts surrounding that because it may have, uh, I'm just thinking organically here, it may have just spurred me organically uh, in an organic way to uh, talk about motion picture as opposed to still photography on one of the nearby uh, shows. So maybe you can find it that way. And I apologize. I apologize for not giving it a specific title, but maybe it wasn't a long enough segment to, uh, to warrant a title. I don't usually use that as a judge. Uh, I've done some of my shortest segments have garnered the main title on the podcast. When I title my podcast, uh, there's usually three segments to my title. Uh, the three title segments uh, on the three main segments I talk about. Uh, but I don't always, I sometimes like the rhythm or the wording of uh, some of the shorter or less significant segments. Uh, my average podcast, I would say, consists of uh, maybe uh, five to seven uh, segments on each of my podcasts if I can try to be accurate, as accurate as possible. And they all vary from uh, they can be as short as three minutes, uh, as long as uh, sixteen minutes or so. This one's coming in at, uh, in the half-hour category. We're already over twenty-five minutes on this segment, but it took me a while to talk about uh, film. It took me a little while to talk about my clothing. Not a not not a lot of time. It took me a little time to talk about Providence. A little uh, recapping on the State House and the arcade, and of course it took me most of the time to talk about Buckles Brannigan in the Old West and recapping what he talked about on the previous podcast, Uh, talking about the the Old West genre. (laughs) Dawn hit us quick today in the studio light is almost full value here at 7:05 a.m. and it's a beautiful light, golden. It was golden earlier, beautiful pink, golden, blue. You know that that beautiful early morning dawn color, you know? I like dawn color better than dusk color for photography reasons. We just had our segment on photography. I didn't really talk about modern photography. Modern color Digital Photography. I wish I had film. You know, I'm a film lover. I love film, okay? I love Kodachrome. I wish it was still around, easy to access. You still can do it. You can still grab a film camera. You know, I had an Icon FE in my college days. I, that, that, that camera earned my minor in photography. Um, my second degree. It was awesome to get that degree in photography. Uh, I feel I got a little bit of knowledge under my belt, as far as practical knowledge. Rhode Island College did a good job. My professor did a really good job teaching me. Uh, learned a lot, really learned a lot in the field, in the field, in the trenches. In the trenches, I I would uh, take the bus out of the campus. I didn't have a car. And I would uh, land back at Kennedy Plaza at the connection point. Um, not, not take the bus to Pawtucket, I would get off and walk through downtown looking for interesting things to photograph in glorious black and white using my Pan-X uh, film from Kodak. I'd shoot on Pan-X film, and it was a slow film, but it was almost grain-free, beautiful, just beautiful, beautiful black and white. A um, little on the contrasty side, but nice. It was, a, it was good with my graphic design degree. Uh, you know, a little more contrast creates a little bit more graphic look, right? Um, and uh, in 1984, Fleet Center was under construction. That's the Juggernaut building. That kind of like uh, juggernauts its way up to the top. It's um, it's about a 300 foot building. Uh, Claude, correct me if I'm wrong on the height of the Fleet Center. It's 285 feet. Thanks, Mark. You just put, th- threw out a sign. Uh, Claude, you're going to say I'm, I'm right about that one. Um, if I'm within an inch there. Uh, Claude would tell me, no, guy, it's 286 feet. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't bust my chops like that. He'd give me about a 10, 20 foot, maybe even a 50 foot. Uh, no, he wouldn't give me 50 feet latitude. He'd give, he'd, if, if, I, if I was within, within 20 feet there, I'd be okay. It's now called 50 Kennedy Plaza. Uh, and it's, uh, it was the fleet center though. It was the fleet center back in the eighties when it was being built. It was to be the fleet center. Fleet bank was a bank that was later on moved to Boston. Uh, they, it was fleet bank for, for quite a while, maybe a decade, maybe not quite that. And then it was, uh, bought out by, uh, I think Bank of America, but I might be wrong about that one. I might, I actually, I think I am wrong about that. The Bank of America building is a building next to former Bank, Bank of America uh, tower. Is was uh, the hospital? The old lingo was the Hospital Trust Tower, built in 1971. Claude, am I right? Uh, Mark doesn't know. He's saying he's nodding his head. He could check. He can check. He could check the facts on that one. Uh, But uh, don't worry about it, Mark. It's not important. Uh, But uh, I'm talking about the Fleet Center. So I I, uh, did some... uh, It was under construction, and it was awesome. It was interesting to see them tearing down before the building was built. They tore down some older buildings, and I could see the inside walls with stairways going up and old rooms. In fact, I I think I even remember some furniture still being in there. Yeah, there might have been some old desks, you know? I I don't know. But uh, it was old rooms with walls, just walls, and, and then you could see the bricks, uh, the thickness of the bricks, you know, the, the 14-inch thick walls just being torn apart by the claws and, and the ball, the hammer, the, 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 the wrecking ball, uh, just doing a number on that. And then as the building went up, uh, you know, I'd, of course I'd be... Uh, documenting it and I took some pretty cool pictures Um, I want to actually take them out again Uh, I emptied my closet out I did a story uh, podcast previous uh, few podcasts several (laughs) maybe 20 podcasts back uh, maybe even more than that actually of um, of uh, my uh, opening my closet door for the first time in years and discovering old film contact sheets Uh, And then, of those contact sheets, uh, you know, about half of them were really of Providence. And they were black and white Panex film contact sheets. And There were some beautiful, relatively, in my mind, I thought they were pretty good. Well, I did get A's. My my professor gave me A's in photography. And, uh, uh, you know, I think I was well-deserved. I did a lot of legwork, I can tell you that. Uh, I didn't cover every inch of the city. It's a small city, uh, smallish, uh, medium-sized city. It's not the it's not the hardest city to knit to, to to cover every corner. And I know I did some stuff in front of the arcade. Can't wait to do my story on the arcade uh, in an upcoming podcast. I don't know if it'll be the next one, uh, but uh, certainly in the future, uh, the next building I talk about, the next landmark, our national landmark of the uh the arcade the arcade in providence it's got two sides to it it's got the westminster street side and it's got the way Bossett street side you can come in from either side um and uh you you can venture through the arcade it's it's open i believe uh, i'm not sure if it's actually it might be closed uh it might be closed right now during covid um i have to do uh check that out but uh that's not important, but the important thing is you can at least see the outside of the building, and you can always peek through the glass and see the inside glory of it. It's a two-story structure. There's uh, promenades on the top. Promenades or mezzanine areas where there's shops lining up there, smaller shops. The larger shops are down on the ground floor. I used to, uh, used to when I was working at agencies in the late 80s, I was... Um, I would uh, venture into town and we'd have lunch at some of the luncheries, uh, some of the eateries down on the ground floor of the arcade. And then every so often I'd take the stairs, there's uh, balustrades on the four different uh, entrance points to stairways to get up to the up top, uh, the top uh, uppermost stairs. Uh, they're on the exterior of the building. Uh, you can go in uh, and uh, venture up into those top small little, uh little little shoppy shops you know little little dress shops little little uh, knick-knack shops uh, little jewelry shops small format small format but beautiful and you know maybe there's maybe about 10 or so on each side of the arcade for a total of 20 maybe more uh really small uh, floor plans and uh and they run the gamut you know souvenir shops you know um nothing tacky everything a little bit more upscale you know um, and so it's it's just a great wonder. It's a one one of providence's wonders, is the arcade. So I'm going to talk about that a more. I already kind of like, uh, shot my load already on on, on the arcade, um, and uh, you know I I think uh, I think I probably I probably don't need to do a podcast about it now because I probably talked about it. But there is more to talk about these buildings. There is more to talk about them. So I'm going to really. Enjoy, enjoy that sharing that information with you. I always enjoy little quips of information and conveying them to my audience. So it's going to be all part of that scene. So if you notice, I have a segment of a uh, remnant segment. We weren't going to air it, but we talked about horse thievery. Uh, we're I didn't get it. I didn't group it on the previous bod- podcast that featured Buckles Brannigan in a proper format. Uh, where We talked about the Western genre, but uh, he was talking. To, he wanted to do one more little little quip on horse thievery. He had seen a, a Western the night before and it reminded him to do a story on it. He didn't. He didn't segue it or parlay it in into that, that single segment on the on the West uh, on the West uh, the Great American Western format. Uh, from the previous podcasts. He, he wanted to just do it as a standalone after the fact. And uh, so we, we, did, we added it in as an addend, addendum to, uh, to this podcast. It's, it's its own little mini, I think it's about 3 minutes and 50 seconds, I think it clocks it at Mark saying correct. Uh, I remember 3.50 on, on my cue. Uh, and he uh, talked about, you know, horse thievery. We don't need to talk more about it. He explained everything pretty clearly uh, except I do want to reiterate that uh, it, uh, it was a hanging offense. Um, you, you took the livelihood out of farmers, sodbusters, ranchers. You were denying them of their livelihood, their life. You were taking their life, a piece of their life at least, a good chunk of it. They had families to support. Uh, they had people to employ. They had other families to support through the people that they employed through the men that worked hard uh, on their ranches. And some of these ranches were large ranches. Some of these ranches were bigger in territory than the state of Rhode Island, or almost as big, half as big at least. Uh, We're talking about, uh, you know, Rhode Island's, I believe, almost a million acres. Um, Claude, do my fact check, it uh, sounds like a lot, but it's, it's, it's you know an acre is not as big as you think it is, maybe. Maybe you do know. Maybe you live on a, a spread of, you know. If you've got four acres in Rhode Island, that's like having 40 acres in another state, like Illinois or, I don't know, Illinois, I don't know if they're known for ranches, but if you're down Texas way, probably something like, you know, probably 100 acres would be equivalent to 4, four or 10 acres here in Rhode Island, right? Maybe even less than that. So, but uh, you know, these were livelihoods, and you did not steal a horse, you know, and you did not steal uh, more than one horse. Uh, that would be really a hanging offense. The, the, not everyone was hanged. They, they had sentences passed out. Uh, they had a lot of long stinted sentences uh, to to uh, to pad out uh, to 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 pan out before they could be released back to the public. So these were almost, these were on the status of murderous offenses if you stole a horsey, you know, and uh, I, like how, I like how Buckles explained that, and I like how Buckles explained it in his, his, uh, his podcast, on previous on the previous podcast, how the horse was just a fixture of the Western, right, like the gun. Now, he didn't mention the the alcoholic drink that was always part of the saloon fixture, and the card game was played into it. About you know a third of the time it was your card game, your poker game. You know your, your tin horn at the table, that braggart that bragged about how great he was, and uh, you know and uh, just uh, cheated his way through. He was a card cheat. Tin horn's a card cheat, and we um, you know that, and uh, so. It's all great, and I, I, like, I like Buckles. Anytime he talks about South Fork, the saloon, um, you know, the, the, the saddlery, the, 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 the livery stable, anytime he talks about any of those, kind of, uh, those uh, aspects, I'm really into it. I'm really into it. I'm listening, actually, as he does it in front of the microphone. I kind of want to chime in with my own two cents, but I know he's the expert. And I'm going to give him full leeway. I'm going to give him full, full latitude. Here's an instructional segment. I do them every so often on podcasting talked about podcasting, the fact that I'm actually doing a podcast. I'm talking about the podcast that I'm actually doing as I talk about it in real time. So how do you do a podcast? You get an idea. You have a fun idea. You're fun. It's fun. It's all about fun. If you're not, look, when you, when you set out to do podcasting, if you're not going to have a fun time, what's the point? What's the point? You know, you may as well be taking a dump in the bathroom, you know? If that's going to be more fun for you, if that's, if that's what uh, makes your, your world go round, you know, Um not t- trying to cast any aspersions here, I'm just using that as a little bit of a demented kind of metaphor. Uh, if you, you know, to be more realistic, if you like washing the dishes better, for instance, wash away. If you like working on your computer more doing other things, if you like uh, design, if you like listening to music more, uh, if you like reading, you know, if you like walking the dog, I mentioned always walking, walking the dog, I don't have a dog, I got two cats, uh, if you like, uh, I don't know, like pressing flowers into books, you know, whatever floats your boat, but if you like podcasting, you're, you're starting off already pretty good, you know. If you're not too enthusiastic about the idea of doing repeated episodes, if you think you're going to run out of ideas, well, I don't know if I want to categorize that into it. If you think you're going to run out of ideas, still do it. If you think you're having fun and you can do a couple of standalone segments, my advice is work at it. Don't try to make a whole show. Come at it the way I do it is I come at it segment by segment. And then all of a sudden it's magically an entire episode. And that's awesome. That's awesome, you know. Uh, they can be varied. They don't have to be connected, but I like to thematically connect everything. I like to have a little bit of a cohesiveness to the, to the idea of, of a single podcast, a standalone podcast. And most of my podcasts consist of five to eight uh, segments, um, varied in length from three, four minutes all the way up to half an hour, let's say, if I, if I can ramble on. Sometimes I get going there and it's, it's hard to stop, it's hard to press the cue shut my mic down. Uh, Shut me up. Shut me up as Buckles would say. I almost exaggerate Buckles more than it is really. Uh, That wasn't very good. Mark's nodding negatively. (laughs) All right, Mark. You're good. Mark Halpern in my sound room. He's my sound engineer and my editor and my confidant. And my go-to guy, he's my fact checker. He's making sure I'm not talking out of my ass too much. Um, you know, thanks, Mark. Thanks for all you do. Um, so here's how you start with your podcast. Have your fun idea. Work at it segment by segment. Try it that way. Maybe you got an overall arcing theme, more power to you. Uh, can you do a podcast just with one segment? Sure, of course you can. No ones no, It's a free country. Go for it. So you want to record your segment. You want to have Anchor installed as an app. Uh, it's free. You can download it right onto your phone, yep, or your desktop. You can work on your desktop computer. I have a console set up here in the studio with Mike Banks and Bikes. A pretty good setup. I want to have interviews. I was originally set up to have interview, but with COVID, we're kind of like playing it down a little bit. Um, But I'm going to be getting some guests in. Um, I want to have my brother Claude back at the studio here, live. I don't like uh, phone hookups. Technologically, we're having trouble doing that anyway. But the sound quality is is definitely inferior. It sounds like they're talking in a tunnel. Um, I don't like that mismatch. I like the live setup. I like the live setup, but so you load your, you load your, 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 uh, your software. It's an app. It's an application. it's an app that goes onto your phone or your desktop, right? Um, and you um, set up your account. It's very easy, real simple. and it's like I said it's free. It's fast, easy and free as I say in my lead off uh, spot uh, advertising anchor. And, uh, once you have it, now you have your, you're ready to record, you're ready to record and a little microphone shows up magically at the bottom and it's, uh, really laid out very logically. Uh, a three-year-old could do this, you know, um, and I'm not doubting your intelligence whatsoever, but it's really easy to use. It really is. It's really easy to use. It is very, very less intimidating than you would think less intimidating than you think. Um, you can make it more complicated. You could use other methods. You don't have to get Anchor. But I like Anchor. It's convenient. It's fast. So then you basically hit that microphone, and you are recording. You are in the recording mode, and it shows a timer. It immediately does a an up-climbing up timer in minutes and seconds, and uh, it's displayed very prominently on your device or your desktop screen your display and uh, you talk you talk you know you'd have a guest maybe in the studio you both talk into different mics or the same mic you don't need elaborate setup you can do it on your phone you can use your mic on your phone uh, easy 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 you can do it remote you can do these outside you can do these walking the dog right there's walking the dog again you know you can have your 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 best friend there with you, you know, um, or you could be lying down on, on a couch in your living room, uh, looking out the window, like I do a lot of times in my studio on my Studebaker. And, uh, you know, you can kick back, you can do a relaxing one, you can do a frenetic one, you can do something that's got some intensity, some passion to it. We don't use that word enough a lot, passion. Do we have passion in our lives? It's good to have a little bit of passion in our lives. Maybe not too much, but uh, a little intense, but uh, you gotta have some downtime too. So basically my mode is usually a relaxed mode. I like to kick back when I do recordings. I'm usually doing it in a supine or lying down position at least. Uh, Looking out my window as I talk. Sometimes I'm looking at the clock at the clock uh, as it ticks up with the minutes. Like I do right now, I'm looking at my segment coming in at uh, seven and a half minutes so far on this segment. I'm not going to make this one too long. Um, and uh, when you're done recording, you hit that little mic again, and or the X. There's a little X, actually. It's an X that shows stop. Uh, that's at the bottom, again, on your phone uh, when you're in a- anchor using this. Uh, as you do it live in your mind, as you say. Uh, Podcasts aren't live. They're pre-recorded, as you know. You hit the X and you're stopping recording. All of a sudden, you've got a finished segment. Now, here's what it does cool. Here's what it does cool. It, it, It stops the segment. It gives you the option to add some background music, which is awesome. So when you hit that add background music cue right under the clock in the middle of your phone. I'm trying to give this as much detail as possible to walk you through this um, before you actually do it. Maybe you're doing it as I'm talking on another phone or if you're not listening to this on the phone on your computer. It's good to have options, isn't it? So um, you hit the button and then it gives you the option for music. And then when you hit the option for music, it calls up all these different music Format different music uh, choices. Uh, You've got uh, folksy. I I use folksy a lot. I use cheerful music a lot. I use ominous sometimes, not a lot. Ominous is a got some tricky ones in there, you know. But it does create a cool mood. There's a dramatic one. Uh, There's uh, uh, there's a electronic one which is really cool to use. I like the electronic music sometimes. I don't use it all the time. Um, less than more often, but I like to use it when it's apropos. Just in your mind, think about what that segment was and the tone of it. And maybe you want to match in with the theme of music that you pick. Within those themes, you have about 10 choices of different music uh, tracks that you could add in. So uh, if if you add in, let's say you add one in that's dramatic, you hit that one, so, uh, one song, it's a song, and that song will fade in and do an automatic fade in and fade out. Makes Mark's job a lot easier. Um, and uh, you've now stamped your, you've made a segment, you've produced a segment, you save it, um, and it, it comes in on your queue and it adds to your list. So it's, it's a bar that contains the information that you need for that segment. You can title it if you want. I leave mine untitled. I title everything at the end as a a podcast. I don't title each of my segments. They're just left as untitled. It shows you how long that segment was. Okay? Now you could go in and continue on with other segments. Okay? If you want to do this by a segment-segment basis. Now, let's say you want to save it. As a podcast, you've done your ten-minute little podcast. You did a little test podcast, right? Uh, well, now when you go to publish it, it's going to be up live on Spotify, uh, Podcast Go, Apple Podcasts, Goog- Google Podcasts, uh, a whole bunch of them. It's probably about six or seven uh, podcasts that it loads up to, maybe more. And uh, so, when you go to So now you'd have that bar and then you go to, you want to hit publish. You are ready to publish and you type in your description, you type in your description, uh, your title. I I start with the title first. So uh, on this title, I'll probably do, uh, uh, I may do, that's motorcycle going on in the background. That's the glory of podcasts and the, the informality of it all. That's my neighbor leaving for work on a Friday. It's Friday morning here in Rhode Island. And well, we're all over the country, right? <laughs> all over the world, it's Friday morning, actually. Um, but, but when you hear this, you might be hearing it on Saturday. You might be hearing it on Friday, but you might be hearing it on Saturday. You might be hearing it on a Tuesday in, in December. Who knows where you're, when you're hearing this podcast? Uh, I hope you do hear it eventually. I hope you do hear it eventually. When it, if a tree falls in the forest, does anyone hear it? Does it make a sound? Well, I think it does. I think it does. So back to producing a podcast. So you've got that. You've now now went to publish. You've titled your podcast. uh, You know, um, Joe Blow Walks the Dog. You could title it if you did a remote one, right? Um, Joe Blow Walks the Dog. That could be the title. And then there's a, a box that lets you type in your description. So now isn't this easy? Isn't this really... You're not even really in front of it yet. You haven't probably even uploaded it yet. And now you're all probably psyched to do it. I hope I get some people that, that, that get into podcasting on this day. On this day of uh, of uh, November 6th of 2020. You know, that could be your inauguration day of your podcast. So Joe Blow walks a dog, and then you, you do a description. Uh, Joe walks his dog down Newport Avenue... And sees all the traffic go by, and his dog stops to take a dump. Now I don't want to be that crude on a description. Uh, you want to, you want to kind of like lower pedal any kind of crudality. I I do I do at least. Um, it can be intriguing. It can be fun. It can be interesting to do a swear every so often. You know, I'll throw a fuck out. I won't be ashamed to to say the f word every so often. You know, uh, kids leave the room. Um, if you've got any small small children, have them strip out, as Scott Adams would say, anytime he wants to get on a rant, and he's, usually if he's pissed off, Scott Adams does his own uh, uh, Coffee with Scott Adams is his podcast, and he also has a YouTube, he does the Periscope thing, live chat, or well, not chat, but live streaming. Um, and uh, I found out he's got... Uh, half a million Twitter followers is pretty impressive um, but uh, basically he um, I don't want to get off track here let me get back on track with the podcast so you've titled it you've done all your description and that's all you need to do you are now ready uh, well you've got to title your episode so it's season one okay your first episode will be season one You're not going to start off on season two. You don't have one yet, but you have a season one and an episode one. That's your first episode. Hooray, hooray. The streamers are now going up, the noisemakers. You can hear that sound effect in your head. Excellent, excellent. Isn't it exciting is what Anchor says when you press the button. Uh, Streamers fly and they they, do a little graphic. It's kind of cute. Isn't this exciting is what they say at the bottom when you're doing your podcast. Awesome. And so you uh, you hit that. Now you are ready to do the final publish button, and you hit that button. The second you hit that button, it is now uploading to all those podcast sites I told you about, Spotify included, and they uh, they publish. It's a little bit of a lag time. You got to give it maybe. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it come up. Oh, you know, five, ten minutes later, being up live on, on these directories, these platforms. Uh, spend that quick but sometimes it could be a delay of, of, of an hour or two you know just be patient uh, when you go to Spotify how are you going to find your podcast now well there's a little magnifying glass at the bottom on Spotify there is you hit that magnifying glass and up comes your little box to type in so you're going to type in the name of your podcast uh, if you're, your account if you put it under uh, with me it's Sky Massey uh, you can also do it by the title of your podcast, your podcast series title. Mine's Talk Me Some Art and Other Stories. You can type in, You can even just type in Talk Me Some. Uh, you know, just need a couple of words there on the queue. Uh, but you may as well do type Talk Me Some Art. But for your case, uh, uh, you know, let's say you're, 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 um, your podcast could be uh, Dog Days. Maybe that's the name of your podcast series. That's the name of your podcast, okay? Now, also, I forgot about the art. Oh, don't let me forget about the art, Mark. You made me forget that. I almost, almost got out of this without even mentioning the artwork. You need to create artwork, so you can do it yourself on your computer, uh, or you can hire a graphic designer. I did it myself because I am a graphic designer, <laughs> and uh, you know, it would it don't. Use a big title name, not a too long of a name. Keep it under, you know, a couple, few words. Make your graphic really cool. Really try to explain visually without the type. Even if you didn't have type there, you're going to have type though. But if you didn't have type, any copy, uh, the visual should almost explain. You know, so maybe if you're, if it's dog days like we talked about, uh, this test one, I pretend podcast. Maybe there is a real dog days out there. Uh, but if it's a pretend you pretend world um, you show a dog and you show him uh, walking down a street and maybe that conveys part of your title there. So dog days you put that in, in a nice font, something really readable. The graphic should be 300 pixels by 300 uh, 3,000 pixels by 3,000 pixels. Now, what does that mean? That means it's a big-size image. It's a high-resolution image, so that when people blow up your cover art onto their computer or on their phone, it still remains crisp. They can even zoom in and see detail. You can put some detail on your cover. Don't make it too detailed, though. Make it really easily readable as a thumbnail. It should work as a thumbnail, and it should work as an enlarged piece of art, all the same art. It should be all self-contained. Uh, you can put uh, host John Stevens or whatever your name is, uh, Mary, Mary uh, Parker, whatever your name is, you can put that on there. And, well, that's not going to deter, it's not going to make it too much more complicated. Um, I do on mine. Uh, 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 mine's Talk Me Some Art and Other Stories with Guy Massey, with a good word, with. It includes you. It includes you into the... Uh, into the whole, into the whole podcast, uh, by saying with, it sounds like you're joining him. I like all inclusiveness. I'm always for that. I'm never, never against it. I can tell you that. So it's cool. And now you have your art. Now you're going to upload it. So you're going to have to uh, bring it onto your phone. How I do it is I save the file uh, as a, a JPEG, um, and then I. Uh, Take that 3,000 pixel by 3,000 pixel square JPEG. uh, And I email myself to my phone. I email it to my phone. I've got email on my desktop. My Gmail account is the same as my Gmail account, of course, on my phone. And I email it to me. And now I have it in my uh, inbox on my phone. Then I save. I go and I grab that and I download. You have to download your artwork, your JPEG of your cover art, onto your phone. It's gonna be physically on your phone. And when you download, it usually ends up in your gallery, in your picture gallery. Once it's in your gallery, now you have access to it, and you can now um, go into Anchor, and there's a provision in Anchor to upload your cover art along with your account information. It's on the same page as your account page. And and this is all easy. I don't want this to be sounding daunting to you. It shouldn't sound daunting. This should all sound pretty logical. I'm trying to do this as much of a linear way as possible. And basically, uh, you... um, Mark's telling me this segment's getting long. We're going to be wrapping it up very shortly here. And now you have your artwork. uh, And you now want to go... And it gives you provision to upload the artwork... Into onto that account page and it'll show a thumbnail of a blank square there until you upload your artwork you press the upload it now brings you you can now navigate your way to very quickly it should bring you right away to options uh, and then you hit gallery and the last image that is on your gallery should be the one that you emailed yourself of your artwork and you select that and uh you hit, hit, uh, hit the upload and it now will show its the cover art right onto your account page. It's really neat, it's really cool to see. It's a real sense of accomplishment when you do that. And then it shows your artwork. And now you hit one final button and that is to publish it. And it'll publish it just like your content that you recorded will. will and now you have your artwork will now be displayed when you go to uh, select or find your podcast in the directory, once you found it in the directory it'll always come up when you go on to Spotify and then the other sites it'll come up, it'll be shown uh, with with all the other podcasts out there, Joe Rogan um, the Making Sense with, uh, with Sam Harris, I love that podcast uh, Coffee with Scott Adams, all of them and and uh, it'll be up there with the big guys. You'll see it right there. Uh, will other people see it? No, they'll have to search for you. They'll have to know that you exist or they'll have to search your category. Uh, I forgot on the uh, one last thing, Mark, before we cut off here. Uh, when you go to um, categorize, they, they ask you to uh, in your account setup, they ask what category do you want to be under uh, on, the, on the listing. And uh, mine, I think, is art, art and entertainment. It might be, I'm pretty sure that's what my, I um, might be wrong about that, actually. Um, I forget what my category is, but there's about 20 different categories, maybe 10, 10 to 20 that you can pick. You have to pick the closest one to you. So if you're, ta- if you're in sports, that's easy. Um, but if you're, if you're talking about books, that's usually pretty easy. Um, but if you if you've got a, a over encompassing, uh, large encompassing podcast like mine, art about art in general and the and life and art, then that's a little bit harder to pigeonhole, isn't it? So, uh, but so you need need to get the one that's nearest to that. And I think mine might be actually under art and design. Actually, um, I'll, have to, I'll have to get back to you on that one, people. So that's basically it. That's it podcasting uh, in a nutshell and I hope I was accurate I hope the anchor people approve of my instructions I hope I didn't set anybody off off the beaten path here and uh, podcast away folks podcast away